Welcome to the Influence Podcast. My name is Tom Yanni. Here's a question you may have pondered. How much do influencers actually make? It's a question that our agency receives all the time from rising creatives in the influencer marketing space, brands, agencies, and anybody trying to plan their media budgets. According to entrepreneur.com, the influencer marketing industry is expected to reach a value of nearly $14 billion by the end of 2021. But what makes this avenue such a successful one in marketing as a whole? Joining us today to explore these very questions and the rise of the influencer economy are the founders of Shine Talent Group, Jess Hunnichen and Emily Ward. I'm joined today by Jess and Emily from Shine Influencers. Ladies, we've done a lot of work over the years together, and it's a pleasure to speak with you today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. So one thing right out of the gate I have to ask about, because it's just sort of like a selfish burning question, but we get these emails from people all the time that will be like a mom saying like, I want to turn my daughter into an influencer, or I have a passion for X and I really want to become an influencer. And every now and then when I read something like that, I might think of you two and be like, imagine they must get this all the time. And (laughs) am I right? You got to just, you got to let me know about this one right out of the gate. Do you guys get these types of inquiries all the time? We get a lot, a lot of that. And we also get a lot of like really amazing ones from people who were like, I don't know how we never knew about them before. So yeah, we have like a dedicated email that they all go to. And there's like one person on the team who assesses all of them and figures out if we need to like have a call or if we can kind of point them in another direction. And really it's the main reason that we started um, Shine School, which was like a series of online courses that we started because we were getting so many inquiries like that. They were like, we can't represent all these people. Like we, we just cannot, a lot of them are not ready for representation, but they want advice. They want help. They want to help build this industry. And like, we love that. Like probably goes without saying we're huge advocates for like this, you know, content creator space. So we want more people to be able to populate it and to learn like really amazing practices from the beginning. So like, let's set up these courses. And then every single person who's not ready, we can be like, here's a really great place to start. But we don't have to like have that conversation. Like there's only, you know, there's the whole team. But for M and I, there's just the two of us. So like we need to be, you know, smart with our time that way. Yeah. No I doubt. think it's interesting because I mean, like at the beginning, and, and Jess and I started this like almost seven years ago now. Um, people didn't even really know that that was like a job career path that you can go down. And now there's like gosh, I think Ryerson University like actually has like courses in influencer marketing and becoming like an influencer now. First, like I feel like I felt two ways about it because the talent who we've signed and generally people who work out really well from us are not people who necessarily went out into this to become a quote unquote like influencer. They had like a passion in something. I'll give an example of, you know, Diala, um, one of our like amazing food bloggers, food creators. And she just loved cooking. She, she loved cooking. It was a passion of hers. She, you know, works for Air Canada. So this is just like a side thing that she did as a hobby and loved taking beautiful um, photos and sharing them, sharing the recipes. And then her followership like grew from that. Or people, you know, in the fashion space that everybody was always asking them, you know, where they got their clothes or how they did their makeup. So they started it more just for um, information and sharing that way. And then the career developed like from that place of passion. So when I'm saying I had two like minds about it, because I always feel that the people who are successful are the ones who actually ultimately go out not trying to make a career out of it. The ones who like really are just authentically like sharing like their passion and looking for a space for it. But that said, like the industry's developed so much now. So there are people who have a keen interest and they're trying to figure out like how to articulate that or how to set it up 
um, structurally well from the beginning. And yeah, like a lot more education is needed in terms of different courses and stuff. We've tried to do our best by sharing what we can, but I'm sure it will continue to develop. No doubt. And I think it's really smart that you created an educational arm where people can be informed on these things because there's an appetite out there amongst the public for, you know, there's tons of people that want to understand how it works and, and how to build their brand into it's one thing for somebody like Diala, who is such her, her cooking and her, uh, what she produces just, you know, everybody would want to follow that. Mm-hmm. I think for some people, it's just, how do you actually get there? Jess, when you're looking at different people that either reach out to you or you're paying attention to people in the industry, how do you determine when somebody is the right fit for representation? How do you know if somebody is at that stage of development where yeah. they could use your support? For sure. So we look at three major qualities, I suppose. First, you have to just like, it's just like a top line glance at the content. Like, what does this look like? Is it something we're interested in? Have we seen this be successful before? Or is it something really unique that we haven't seen before that could be something really interesting and bring like a a nice new kind of flavor to the industry? Second is the numbers. I hate like, it's not only about like the the audience numbers and the number of followers and things like that, because of course we all know you can buy them, but looking like much more deeper than like those vanity metrics. So like the followers, the likes and the comments and digging into like, okay, what are your story views? What are your saves? What are your shares? Like I saves and shares are my personal favorite. I think there's such a qualified engagement. We all know this, like we know like our own habits, right? Like I'm the most like happy person on Instagram. Like I like anything, like anything you've got to say to show, like I'm liking it, double tap every time. (laughs) But it takes a lot for me to like save something. And for me to save something, I'm like, I want to reference this later. And I think for a brand, like it's, as I said, it's one of the most qualified analytics you can really get. So we really dig deep into like those analytics. And of course, if they're Canadian, we're looking at like, what's your Canadian? You know this, of course, Tom, like how high is your Canadian audience? It's so, so, so valuable for Canadian brands. So that's a big one. The third part is like, what's their story? What's the message? So are they saying something that you know, is really, really unique. And I say this all the time. It's it's almost like the worst thought to have, but I, it's always my favorite. But I love when people come to us and say, I really want to work with talent X. And we say, oh, they can't because they're already in an exclusive, you know, relationship with a competitor or something like that. And we say, but we have like some amazing other people who we could suggest for this campaign. And they're like, no, I really only want to work with this person. Like we love when people have that strong of a story or that strong of a message that the brand only, only wants to work with them. As I said, it's completely to our detriment to have people like that, but <laughs> it's still like, I love that they have such strong stories like that, that the brands like have to have to work with them. So they're kind of our three main things. And then we always start with a one month trial with talent um, because we could tick every one of those boxes. And for whatever reason, like it's just not the right fit. You know, we say this all the time, like, this is like any relationship and like that trial is the dating period. And we're like, should we get married? Like, should we, should we sign some contracts? So that's very much what it's like. But, um, but yeah, we need to see that like, you know, communication style is a fit and the way that we work is a fit and, and, and all of those things. So we want to work with talent who, who really want to work with us and we really want to work with them. And I feel like that's where we have uh, the most success for sure. And also like people who are like complementary to our exclusive talent, like who we have on our roster, but aren't competitive. So as we were saying before, we get reached out to by you know, talent like 
every single day who want to be signed by the agency. And we have never set out to be an agency that represents everybody. We very much are intentional with who we bring on. And we don't want to create internal competition with the talent that we want to, that we represent. We want to make sure that there's opportunities that can be you know, shared and flooded through the Shine Network, but certainly um, never in a position that one would take over another. And I guess like the last element is just to ensure the ratios of our, our talent managers work out. So another thing that like Shine boasts, which is which is different than a lot of the other talent management agencies, is that we have a really low ratio in terms of how many talent is represented by um, a talent man- management team. So we want to make sure that we have like adequate staffing before we take on more people. That makes sense. And Emily, as sort of a follow up to that, you know, it's one of those things where a lot of people that would reach out to you. They may have gotten started and maybe they've even had some brand deals and maybe they've had some success with that. Maybe they've worked with another agency. There's probably a whole spectrum of of different reasons why people would be looking for representation. Have you noticed any common challenges that people face when they're looking for help, when they're looking for you to solve X, that always having this issue with whatever this one thing might be? Most talent, when they're ready for representation, it's because they can't handle the volume. 95% of the talent that we bring on, like one of the qualifiers is that we're looking at their past three months of deals. Like we're looking to see, are they already on the radar of brands and agencies? Have they already had experience in terms of integrating product into like their feed in, in an authentic way? So I think that a common challenge that comes up with talent is kind of managing like the deal flow, being able to ascertain like what are viable deals like versus what are more of like those like spam type deals that go out that could actually damage their brand in the long run. So I mean, I can give you an example. Like there are the brands out there who literally will reach out to any single talent that they can to have them do some sort of like affiliate program. But having a talent kind of exercise that collaboration it actually can kind of devalue um, what they're able to offer to another brand because it looks like, you know, what, there are one of the thousands of people who are going to pocket like this one brand. So having like somebody who has like the knowledge base and can help to delineate like what would be a strong brand for their affiliation and not or not is uh, an asset that we bring in. I think that also talent who are looking to kind of like jump up to that next level are also the ones who are evaluating different kinds of agencies and what can the agency bring to them. Shine, we like really kind of look at it like very much like as a collaboration in terms of the, the talent we represent and then what um, our team is able to do. If we work to bringing, you know, over 50% of the deals like should be coming from the agency in terms of proactive pitching that we do. And the other deals like should be coming from the talent into their inquiries that we're able to, to maximize. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, for sure. And I'm curious too, when it comes to guidance, one thing that's really taken off in the last year or so, year and a half, is uh, the role of activism within social media. And as brands are looking to sort of identify their voice within it, and oftentimes they're partnering with influencers to do so. And I would imagine that would be a challenging position from a talent management perspective. We certainly have felt it on the agency side. How do you advise people on how to handle these things? How you work with- We love talking about this. This has been like the hot topic of the year. (laughs) It has been the hot topic of the year. And I think like both Em and I come from PR backgrounds, right? So we've both been like pretty well-versed in crisis communication. So it's very similar principles. Like I know for me, I'm like, I love to flex my like old PR muscles. You know what I mean? Like it kind of like brings back like those things that we used to do forever ago. And so many of our team members come from PR backgrounds. So they're, they're really great at it too. 
But, you know, we, we talk about this a lot with our talent and, and we try and give them as much guidance as possible while still being very cognizant of the fact that like these are their brands, like and we're, we're there to guide and support, but like never take over. So we want to be there to say like, if you don't feel like you can share something that's valuable or you don't want to share something that, you know, if you don't have a strong opinion either way on this, here are some resources that might be great to share. So that's what we've kind of focused on is like providing resources for them to share. And then of course, guiding when like, when talent get into sticky situations and it happens, like we've had some like big, big issues, like global humanitarian, health, political, racial, like. What do you do when that happens? Because there's the stakes are high in those moments. They're super high. And like, there's absolutely no questions that brands have backed out of campaigns because they haven't liked the way that one of the talent have have handled an issue. And we, again, we talk about this so much internally that like, I think we look at these talents sometimes as these like big brands, whereas like at the end of the day, like they're, they're people, right? And they're going to make mistakes. And and this last you know year to 18 months has been a huge one of learning all of the things and trying to like figure out like where you sit with it. And we're very aware that like we all come, we, we we're presented with these issues at different points, right? So like I might be starting at zero, you might be starting at 10 and Emily might be starting at 50. We're all at different spots when we begin. And certainly we're always letting our talent know that because like their audience are going to be in the same boat. So they might be learning something for the first time that someone else has known and practiced for years. So they might not like the point that they're starting with, but at the end of the day, you kind of have to be, you know, we've always said that we will stand by any of our talent who we know and we believe want to do the right thing. And that doesn't mean they won't make a ton of mistakes. And like they do, like it's like a baby learning to walk, like they're going to fall over 500 times. So that's kind of, we look at it with that in that same vein. Um, well, I but, think like that's like, that's the realness like too, right? Yeah. People, you know, but more like the like opinion-based like talent, people who are really advocating for one thing or another, they aren't going to know everything and they are going to make mistakes like along the, the road. But if they can kind of come through it and still allow conversation to happen as they're walking through like those moments of like vulnerability, like when, you know, when they have misstepped, I think that is the way that they actually can draw like a closer relationship with their followers because I think, you know, their followers are churches people as well. They're just communities of people as well who also might be afraid to kind of step out and try to ask a question or step out and try to, you know, make make a statement of how they feel with the information that they have at that moment. So talent who have, who have missed up actually are like great uh, guides about how other people kind of walk through those moments in their life as well. So in terms of the, what Shine has done and where Jess and I like actually heavily come into those moments of, you know, the, the cancel culture gets in and all of that is that we look for ways just to bring it back down to like the human side of things, reminding everybody that these are people and helping them find a way to pace conversation that they are still having conversation with their audience as they walk through it, but don't get like, stuck in circles of things that they that they can't answer anymore. You know, some people are, are out there um, who just also want to fight, who are, who are very upset. And there's only um, so much you can do to satisfy those people as well. Yeah, no doubt. It's hot out there. I can only imagine in your shoes, you're mentioning, Jess, that you've uh, had different things that have arisen that are particularly challenging. And I can only imagine being in the role of a talent manager. And on that topic, I guess one of the main things that people would also come to you for is guidance, what kind of deals should I be taking on? What kind of brands should I align myself with? What kind of questions do I need to ask them up front? 
And ultimately, how much should I get paid? What what kind of exclusivity rights? What kind of usage rights? Like you really have to put your business cap on because a lot of content producers are creative types that are not always thinking in those terms and, and they would need you to do so. So I'm curious too, when it comes to audiences growing, engagement growing, over time, the value of people that you work with would evolve. How do you continue to update and manage the business side of their brands as they grow? Because it's a moving target that continues to evolve. Yeah, no question. And kind of touching on something you said at the at the beginning of that, you know, these are people like they're creatives. Like we sign them because they're like so brilliant and have these like beautiful ways to like connect with the community. And that's like such a special and unique quality, right? But like not everyone can be good at everything. So like we we come in and we facilitate that business side of things, right? So like that's like one of our main functions as a management agency that we can come in, um, certainly not to dictate what they do and what they don't, but to provide that guidance and that strategy and and to really look at the rates and, and of course all the contracts and that like not so fun stuff. But in terms of increasing rates, you know, again, like this is all a numbers game. So we we look at them like very closely every quarter, but all talent is so different, right? So like some talent might be like on the rise, some may have been really great and consistent over time. So we find that like the market somewhat dictates it in that, you know, let's say someone's rate is $5,000 for an Instagram post just to, for an easy math number. So if someone's rate is $5,000 and every person we send it to, they're like, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> like, oh, this is a little too easy. We probably need to bump this up a little bit. Um, so that's what I mean when I say like the market dicta- dictates it. However, if we're seeing $5,000 and we're like, we have to push for it, we're always coming down on rates. Like there's something where like this is off, we might need to bring it down. And we've done that before. Like sometimes that happens. Um, talent ebb and flow, like it's just a byproduct of the industry. So yeah, we, we look at them closely every quarter to see if anything kind of needs to change. And then, you know, individual managers will look at it and be like, yeah, I think, I think we need to bump up these rates. Like they may have really increased their followers. They may have moved to a new space. They may had a baby and there's crazy demand now. Like there's all types of things that can come into play. So our team are really great at that. Like they're going to look at it and say like, these rates are too low. And also like, we have the luxury, and this is, you know, from an agency, we have this, but we see, you know, we represent give or take a hundred talent exclusively. So like we see a hundred people's rates and we know like people are getting. So like people who are self-represented, like it's hard, like it's really hard. And people don't talk about it very openly at all. And if they do, they're probably not sharing all of the information. So we get this from talent a lot when they say, well, I know my friends, such and such, worked on this campaign and they were paid $10,000 and I was paid $5,000. We'll say, but how many posts are they doing? How much content are they creating? Do they have exclusivity? Because you don't. Is there whitelisting added? Like, what's the term of the contract? What are the payment terms? Like, there are so many other things that come into play apart from just like the raw, like, you know, monetary value of it, right? So it's, uh, so yeah, we're very thankful to like be able to look at so many rates every day and it gives us kind of a nice barometer to test and play with. Yeah, there's that and there's like new elements added just because again, the volume of campaigns, we do, we, we do hundreds and hundreds of campaigns like every month. So, you know, when new elements are added into Instagram or TikTok or whatever it might be, it comes across from one talent that we can apply to like lots of others. I feel like there was just something the other day that the team was discussing about reels and if it's going to be posted also in field 
feed or not? And should that be an up charge? Should there be an additional like fee attached to that? And the answer is yes, but a lot of our talent hasn't experienced that. So they, they benefit from that knowledge base and that helps to round out rates. And then the other thought that I was just going to add in, it really is about demand. I think so much of it is about demand. We have talent who their followership is much smaller than some others, but their rates can be um, demanded as being higher just because so many brands want to work with them. And there's only so much space in a month's time that that person is comfortable or that we you know, agree um, should be sponsored content. So you have limited space. Just think of a magazine with ads. There's limited space at the end of the day. And if there's a high demand for that month or that season, then the rates have to increase in order to even things out. So these are all things that we kind of play with constantly to figure out what is like the best for our talent and best for our, our agency relationships. There's a lot of nuance. I think people miss out on that. That there, It's a market and there's market demand for different categories, different types of content. Could be some seasonality at play. It could be past partnerships. Again, usage, exclusivity, all of these different things. And so it's funny because I think a lot of people that I talk to think it's very straightforward. And then when we speak with individuals like yourselves, we know that that's not the case. So I'm now going to ask you to just try to simplify it for anybody out there that is getting started out in the industry, perhaps, or maybe they aspire to uh, continue producing content. If you could give one piece of advice to content creators out there about how to value themselves, Jess, what would it be? I would say, don't focus on what everyone else is doing. That's a huge one. We get that a lot. If you are doing it, everyone else is doing it. So don't be too hard on yourself. But I think, yeah, just like trying to stay in your own lane, focus on yourself, look at your past deals and say, okay, roughly I've been getting $1,000 a post. I'm going to try and set my rate at that. And, you know, kind of go from there and increase quarterly as needed and as the market allows. And Emily, what would be your one piece of advice? I would say to have, you know, awareness of how to break apart your rate. So you have something that you're comfortable um, charging in terms of your time to produce that content. And then there should be like another um, fee in your mind of what you're comfortable in terms of the, the distribution and like the posting of that. And then again, if these other elements get added on in terms of exclusivities or whitelisting, um, those should be different rates that you have in your mind of what you believe like the value is. Um, and at least that way, you're able to articulate it well and justify it when you're sharing that number with a brand or agency versus just you know throwing out $5,000, whatever it might be. That's wonderful advice. And I've got one more question for you, which is, you mentioned that this Shine Influencers is seven years old. And influencer marketing probably was a term that not that many people would have been familiar with seven years ago, at least in Canada anyways, perhaps in the United States a little bit further ahead. But it's blown up and it doesn't seem to be losing any steam. It seems as though this industry is just going to continue to grow. There are different studies on these things. There's a projection that the influencer marketing or content creator world is going to reach 2.85 billion by 2025. I'm wondering how you feel about that and if it surprises you or if you expect that. It doesn't surprise me. I'm pretty good about it. Um, it's not a bad thing for us. So we've seen the market change and the industry change so much in the last seven years. Like it's pretty wild to think about. Like I, I can remember like so clearly when Em and I, like the first year that we started, we had a meeting with like any person who would talk to us, like anyone who would talk to us, we would meet with. And the number of people who said at that time, PR agencies mainly, 
and, and they, they were so used to working with earned media only. So like, this is not a, not a negative to them in any way. But so many people said, we will never, ever pay for influencers. And we're like, okay, okay, we'll, uh, we'll see ourselves out to uh, have a good day. And uh, <laughs> off we went onto the next. But it's, it's like so wild to see like how much it's changed. And like, I love that we were able to see it like back then, like we had so much faith in like the value of the talent, the value of the content creators that were like, we will stand by you and we will like advocate for you so freaking hard. So it's been like fun to see it like grow because like we always had such a strong belief in it. But, you know, it's, it's as Em said, like, it's not surprising at all. Like, I, I always look at, like, myself as a consumer. I'm like, what, what do I do? Like, what's been the increase in what I do? And, like, I'm online, like, all the live long day. So, like, influencer marketing is not new in that brands have always had to reach their consumer and they've had to reach them where they're at. So the place that they're meeting them at is different. It's online. It's not television, movies, magazines. It's not that anymore, but like the theory of it and the idea behind it is very much the same. Like find the people who are going to influence your consumer and we call them influencers now, but like they're content creators and they're online. Um, They're basically just like mini, not all of them are mini, they're pretty major like digital publications. So I think it's like, I like looking at it in that way because we're like, we didn't reinvent the wheel here. We just identified where it was going to be next. I 100% agree. And I I feel like years ago, Jess, like you and I used to talk about this, like I feel like the talent management agencies almost become um, the media houses like of like the future. And like they they kind of are like the Rogers that own all the magazines. Like we have, you know, these these talent who are these channels who are able to reach consumers. And then there's an editorial side to them. And then there's an advertorial side to them and an advertisement side to them as well. I am not surprised to hear that that's like the growth projection of the industry. I'm super proud that we were in like the forefront of it and that we come now with so much knowledge and so much information that it's hard for people to catch up who are starting like today, like in the space in terms of talent management. Um, But I think that the talent are like deserving of more of that recognition and like esteem uh, that we used to look at more of the journalists and like reporters. I'm really excited that that's something that's really kind of fallen out of like this past year to have so much more like opinion-based collaborations and, you know, as we were talking about like beforehand, that the rise of that, and although it's been challenging, has also given a lot more credibility to the industry and we're incredibly proud to be part of it. Well, it's been uh, a lot of fun working with you both over the last Mm -hmm. number of years and uh, certainly looking forward to the future as well. And I thank you both so much for your time today. It's been really interesting and insightful and educational to learn about what you're doing and sort of the state of the industry through your eyes. And thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks, you. Pleasure. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation. For more on the Shine Talent Group, check out shinetalentgroup.com. And for the latest in digital marketing and technology news, you can follow us at Influence Agency or online at theinfluenceagency.com. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.